This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs. Hello everyone, I'm Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs and host of Vegas Rock Dog Radio. On today's show, I'm talking about big, fat pet myths. So stay right there. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Hi everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Sam. I'm the host. I am the queen of rock and roll dogs and this is Vegas Rock Dog Radio. We're a rock and roll show all about pets, people and pop culture. And we are live from Sin City, Las Vegas. I know it's confusing. I got some new listeners today. The British accent. Vegas. What's going on? That's right. Been living here for how long? Many, many, many years. How long? 20. Is it 20 already? You can't remember that. I don't really keep track of things like that. Mm. <laughs> I really don't. It's weird. <laughs> I know. I, I'm not one for dates and stuff like that. Well, apart from my birthday and Christmas and our anniversary and those kind of things. But other than that, I really don't keep track of, of time, really. Uh, that's because I'm having way too much fun, Jim, in the present day. That's what it is. I just have to tell you that. No, it's just <laughs> weird. It's, it, I think it's just weird. That's but. okay. Then <laughs> you married me. By the way, this is Jim. He is my producer. He's my engineer. He's my husband. And he's in studio with me today, along with my dogs, Mr. Twix and Miss Thornton. They're in studio. And our girl Galaxy looks down on us from the Rainbow Bridge to make sure that we provide you with a great show. And today's show... Wow, let me tell you something. I was up till after one o'clock this morning, which is not unusual anyway, but I was actually writing the show. It was the never-ending big fat pet myth show. <laughs> I had to pare it down this asleep. morning. I guess I was uh, getting my beauty rest. Yeah, you were, and I was not. <laughs> Jim was relaxing while I was writing. And I don't normally write, I normally type. But it was one of those things, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to write out my bits and pieces. But it was way more than bits and pieces. It's pages. And I've had to pare it down. There are so many pet myths out there. But before we even get started, 
let me tell you where you're going to find us on the internet. You're going to find us on our main website, VegasRockDogRadio.com. That's where most people go to. They click on the Listen Live link and away they go. If they want to listen to archive shows, you also can listen on the website as well. You will also find us on Periscope, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, Instagram. And we do have a blog. The blog is TheRockAndRollDog.com. And you'll also find us on, like I said, iTunes. You're going to find us on SiriusXM, the app called Spoke. You're going to find us on iHeartRadio still, I think, because they just filed bankruptcy. <laughs> so hopefully someone something happens there. But you will still find us on there. You'll also find our pet tip of the day as well on iTunes. And that's just a quick blurb to help you, you know, with tips for pets, for, you know, nutrition, training, you name it. We have it on there as well. So that's where you can find us. It's rather easy. And don't forget, and I always tell people this, don't be shy. Post pictures of your pets on our Facebook page. Let us know all about them and why they're so fabulous. So like I said, it's it's, uh, it's it's going to be a big show. I've just got a couple of little things I want to update you on, which I normally do at the top of every single show that we do, because a lot happens every week in our lives of the animal world, and we're involved in many different areas. One of them is we have a charity called Rocking for Rescues, and what we do is we raise money to take the financial pressure off our rescues in town. And we've helped rescues out of town also. And we've helped over 25 rescues here in town. We pay for medical, we will pay for boarding, training, food. We get food donated. And that's what happened this week. The Honest Kitchen donated 200 boxes of their dehydrated food. So lots of our rescues are going to get help this week. And that's um, something that I'm going to be working on later on this afternoon. I'll be sorting out all the food, calling all the rescues to come and pick up their donations. It's a lot of food. Unfortunately, it is a lot of food and it's great food. It really is. So um, one of the things I found in the donation box though, and I don't know who donated it because I had lots of other stuff. I had some clothing, which I know a lot of people, lots of people will say, oh, why do you clothe dogs? But specifically, this clothing goes to the dogs that live on the streets with their homeless um, pet parents. And Vegas can get cold at this time of year, believe it or not. And they do need to keep their pets warm. And this is why we collect those kind of things. They do serve a purpose. We also provide them with boots as well for their dogs, especially in summer. It is brutal out here with the heat. But in this donation box, I like toys and we like to make sure that even these homeless animals or rescue animals get to live a life similar to a pet in a home. There's no reason why they can't have a blanket, a bed and toys. There's no reason treats. So there was a prong collar. What did you do? Throw it away? No, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that in one of my PSA videos, which will be we will be filming some of those uh, soon. We've got a few things that need to go out. We need to have one that goes out for summer. And that's our biggest campaign of all, which is I will I pledge to never leave my pet in a hot car. And so I see this prong collar. You know, I just put it on my wrist. I didn't pull it or any, tighten it or anything like that. And it's just constantly dug in, in your arm. I was mortified. But no, I'm not throwing it away. That was my first instinct, of course. But I'm going to, going to use it as a PSA. Then I'm going to throw it away. Okay. It's outrageous, though. Uh, what else is happening? I don't think I've ever even handled one of those. Me neither until yesterday. Hmm. And I thought, wow, that is horrible. I think when you see it up close and you touch it and you go, how could you possibly do this to an animal? 
you must be an, a, a, a wicked person to do that. Um, in other news, in other news, our friend Cole Harrington got kicked out of and banned from Global Pet Expo. If you don't know Cole, he's 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 shaking up the commercial pet food industry for the last year. And we got to we got to see Cole's documentary Pet Fooled. You'll find it on Netflix. We got to see the documentary over a year ago. We were the first people to interview him. Yay! And I said to him, this documentary is going to be the black fish of the commercial pet food industry. And sure enough, and people fear him. He's lovely. He's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And he happened to be at Global Pet Expo as press. So you get to go with, you know, your your, uh, your camera crew. And he wasn't aware of this, but they were walking around and they saw that Hill Science Diet had a session and they had a Q&A at the very end. So they went in and sat down. It was all filmed. And the Q&A, he puts his hand up politely. He's a very nice guy and said, uh, why does your cat food have so many carbs in it when cats don't need carbs? They need proteins and fats. And and basically, the, the I don't know if it's a veterinarian or not, but the, the representative answered it correctly, which was, yes, that you're correct. They do need proteins and fats, but we can't keep fats from going rancid in a bag of kibble. So we put carbs in instead, which we all know it's not bi- biologically appropriate. So they did tell the truth, and he asked a couple more questions, and then he left, went to the bathroom, came out, and then there were security guards ready to escort him off, um, having been told that he threatened someone, which is not the case because it's all on film. And and this is pretty outrageous because what, what this leads to is why can't we question consumers about products when it comes to our pets or ourselves or our kids? You know, because that industry's just uh, been the way it was for all these years, and yeah. and how dare you ask a question? We're providing you with great stuff. I know, and but pet parents are a little bit more well read mm-hmm. and researched these days. They are a lot <laughs> of people are, and you don't need a PhD to to be able to read a pet food label and discover what these ingredients are. And there's lots of research out there about biologically appropriate diets for pets and they're savvy pet parents are savvy so i can imagine how distressing that was i mean that's just unacceptable it's completely unacceptable and uh, just an attempt to shut him down so i have a feeling maybe that footage might make its way into his uh, second documentary (laughs) because if that was me that's where i'd be putting it so we'll keep you an update on that i i doubt if he's going to get an apology Um, apparently the representative from global nor from the pet food company would come and speak with him when he's with the security guards and he has it all on film and that's not what happened so very very upsetting there but it, it, you know what? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's got them a little scared because pet parents are getting really, really savvy when it comes to food. Really savvy. All right. I guess we should get on with the big fat pet myth show. As I said, it took me forever. I want to thank everybody. It, 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 I had a great response. It was absolutely fantastic. I posted in various groups. I obviously posted it on my own personal. A profile on Facebook and ask the question, you know, what are these pet myths that you've heard? Now, the interesting thing is there were some people who posted pet myths who, who, were, who thought they were myths and they weren't myths. They were indeed correct. Isn't that interesting? So I think what this did was it, it, just by people posting, it, 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 it had people thinking about those myths. Is that true? Do I know that to be true? Did I just say that because I've heard everybody say it forever in a day? You have to think about that. And and so it did. It got people thinking. It got people talking. It opened up conversation. Brilliant. 
just absolutely thrilled. So much to wade through. So I've tried to put it in categories. And I, I like I said to Jim last year, I said with, with Cole's documentary coming out, I said, ooh, nutrition is going to be so big in 2017. And it is, and it's continuing to be really big. I think 2018 is going to be a big year for pet parents getting savvy about training. Okay. We're and already a third of the way in. Or I a know. quarter of the way in, I know. excuse me. Uh, yeah, I'm not happy about you that. You believe it. Time's going too fast. What's that song? Time's going too fast. Isn't it a talking head song? Mm. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> He's going to bother me all day, that there. <laughs> but I think training's going to really come to the forefront. Really come to the forefront. And I'm very excited about that because we've got, we've had, we've had a lot of damage done in, in the pet training community. A lot of damage by a certain person who, we won't give him publicity, but I may have to mention something at the very end of the show. But we're not going to give publicity to people who who we do not revere in the world of pet training and who are creating more problems than they started off with and influencing many people into thinking it's okay. Okay. Do you know, I knew I was going to choke today. I'll tell you why. Because I'm dehydrated and I thought I was going to have vocal fry. <laughs> what? <laughs> vocal fry. Yeah, when you sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> it is allergy season. I know it is. It has something to do with it. Here we go, my friends. Can I do a bit more headphone, Jim? Thank you. Thank you. I don't think you gave me any headphone. I think you faked me out on that. I didn't fake you out. Can I, I have a little bit more I headphone? I gave you more. How much more Just do you want? a little bit more, if you okay. don't mind. There you go. I can't hear it. <laughs> there you go. It must be the allergies. It must be the allergies. So here we go. Now, just know this much, yeah? This show, once this show, the live show goes up as a podcast, there will be show notes. And that means there are going to be lots of links to resources, fantastic groups you can join, science that you can read. I want to make sure that you've got this information available to you because although we are going to go through some things, we're not going full into full depth and science on some of these myths. But I want you to be able to go, ooh, I want to read further about this topic. And so therefore, the show notes, and it will be big fat show notes to go with a big fat pet myth show, will all have that information. And that information will also be shared on our Facebook page as well. So I just want you to know that you don't have to run, grab a pen or anything like that. But here are some of the resources that, that I'm going to be sharing. They come from Linda Michaels. They come from the Do No Harm Dog Training Group and the manual. Uh, Hierarchy of Dogs Needs. Again, that's Linda, Michael, uh, Linda Michaels for you. That's uh, We've also got Deaf Dogs Rock, Victoria Stillwell, the Bang Shot Collars uh, uh, Facebook page, Dr. Ian Dunbar. It, it's a never-ending list of fantastic people who are putting out current information and science. So there you go. And those links are all going to go up. So here we go, Jim. Here we go. I can't believe that took 15 minutes to go through all of that. You needed a drum roll for all that. Ah, I know. Jim, um, you've heard the terms, and who hasn't? Pack leader, alpha dog, dominance. And these are the type of words that make an educated dog trainer or pet parent want to pull their hair out and just never stop cringing. And it, it does. It makes you cringe. I am forever, because I like to be well-read, I like to know particularly what's going on in Vegas. Who, am, who are the people that we need to look to for, for training, for nutrition, for pets, for vet care? 
And I go to check out these websites and I see these words, pack leader, alpha dog, dominance. Yeah, and everybody hears it and we all know where we heard it from and how it got to be such a big thing. And as I say, these are the type of words that make educated dog trainers and educated pet parents just want to just lose their tiny minds. Now, there's a fantastic group and I know we've got people listening and it's on Facebook and it's called Do No Harm Dog Training. It's run by Linda Michaels. She was recently rated as one of the top 10 dog trainers in the US by Top 10 Magazine. And Linda has a master's degree in experimental psychology and is the creator of the hierarchy of dogs' needs. She focuses on the uh, f- uh, psychological aspect of dog behavior that often mirrors human psychological conditions, such as fear, separation, attachment disorders, and aggression towards humans and other dogs. She also teaches private. She uh, customizes basic manners, obedience lessons for dogs of all ages and every breed. And Linda's worked with some of the most difficult behavior cases at the San Diego Humane Society and SPCA for five years. Then she became an animal welfare advocate, yay, for positive force-free training and non-aversive collars. She is a certified fear, aggression and reactivity consultant. And uh, she practices out of uh, Del Mar and she serves Del Mar, San Diego County, La Jolla, Carlsbad, all the, our favorite areas. Favorite places. We love Carlsbad, uh, Rancho Santa Fe, Hollywood, and Beverly Hills. And uh, Linda's laboratory, and, that, and that's how we say it in England, laboratory. And in this country where you live and broadcast, <laughs> that is incorrect. Linda's laboratory research experience in behavioral... Boris Karloff had no, a laboratory. Neurobiology. Dr. Frankenstein had a laboratory. I know he did. That's why we say it that way. Oh, Linda's, come on. It's a big show, Jim. Come on. <laughs> Linda's laboratory research experience in behavioral neurobiology examined the interface between behavior and the brain. Linda's unique combination of scientific training and hands-on experience with dogs and wolf dogs creates a bridge between the worlds of research, dog trains, and pet parents. Yes, go and join the group now. You will learn so much. And she has some great rules that they lay out, and I really love it. It's very clear-cut, the communication over there. It's, there's lots of discussion, lots of discussion, and you, can, you don't have to be afraid to ask a question because everybody wants to help you. And the members discuss contents, uh, you know, the contents of ethics, principles, and techniques that are provided in Linda's uh, manual. And I'm going to definitely put you a link up to that. And that is the, uh, uh, the do no harm dog training. And they do seek to do no harm physically or psychologically to dogs under our care or training. And uh, I say definitely join, join the book. And you can see the hierarchy of dog needs pyramid. It helps you visually understand all those needs that dogs have. Have. And I asked the group what were their pet myths, what they'd experienced, and here are some of them. As I said, it was an overwhelming response. I couldn't include everything, but here we go. You must dominate your dogs. Show your dog who's the boss. Do not allow them on the bed. Do not allow them to walk through a door first. Be the pack leader and be the alpha dog. So first of all, let's clear this up. Uh, when I got up this morning and I looked in the mirror, Jim, and I don't want any funny jokes I did not see our adult, a wolf, a <laughs> I've just done a hybrid dog and a wolf, a dog or a wolf looking back at me in the mirror. <laughs> you did. 
<laughs> you look like a wolf today. Very no, hairy. When I turn over and I see you, I see a wolf sometimes. <laughs> That's if you talk to me in the morning. Sheep's clothing. That's if you talk to me in the morning and I'm not ready to talk wicked, to anyone. Wicked morning wolf. It's terrible. I'm, I'm a very nice person, but in the morning, mm-mm, don't talk to me. Um, first, so like I say, first of all, I'm not a dog. I'm not a wolf, okay? But in 1940, wolves were forced to live together for a study. Rudolf Schenkel saw that wolves did indeed fight for top status and he named the you know the winning female and male alphas and uh, David Metch and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly before we talked about him on the show before he also sus- subscribed to this theory of the alpha wolf and and then that was placed onto the dogs however it was not the case with wild wolves and how they interact in the wild and they did not fight for position but they lived as nuclear families and work together. So uh, David Match did, in fact, reel back his alpha theory, uh, not only in wolves, but as I say, what they placed on dogs as well. But as you can see, it's been around for decades, this myth. Um, and a certain trainer we've mentioned earlier perpetuated this myth beyond. And it's just sticking around again. And, you know, so it's, it's one of those things, it's like, I wish it would just go away because... To tell people you must dominate your dogs, show them who's, who's the boss, is negative. It's punishment, and it's not—it's not a bond that you have with your pet at all. It's kind of what we call lording it over your dog, which is um, not the way to have a good relationship with your pets, and it's certainly not a way to train them and get great results. So that's the the myth that's been whizzing around since 1940. Oh my gosh, how many years is that? Nearly 80 years? Come on. Time for it to go. So it's a myth. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> we all know that it's a much different way of training these days. It's not new. This what makes me laugh. People think positive reinforcement is some new thing that popped up last year. No. Educated trainers has been doing this for years. So that was one of them. And um, so if you've had that in your mind, you think that's what you should be doing with your pet, toss it out today out of your mind and gone. The next one we saw was you should restrict water when potty training dogs. Can you even? How do you deny? Thank you. The essence of life. <laughs> Thank water. you. Thank you. That's stupid. It's a myth and it's a dangerous one and restricting water can cause severe dehydration. It can cause urinary tract infections and it can cause bladder stones and it is cruel. It is cruel. So that is a myth, and you should not be restricting water from your pets. Force-free, tra- force-free training is a bribery. It's, bribery. <laughs> it's not bribery. It is based on a kind of a simple rule that rewards come after the desired behavior, and, and you get those desired behaviors through positive force-free methods. They're free of pain. Uh, they're free of fear, free of discomfort, and you're using positive associations. You're using food, toys, praise, and it's, it's a very an easy way to look at it is to say that your dogs get paid to work. And how motivated would you be, Jim, if, if say, your boss said to you, I need you to work overtime over the weekend but without any pay? <laughs> we would not have that discussion. It would be over. <laughs> it would be over. It's, it's not much of a deal, is it? It's not very motivating. So force-free or positive reinforcement training 
is focused on providing your dog something that is reinforcing uh, something desirable and you can you can use a, a desirable uh, behavior and you can use treats and praise and toys and th- and they come as a result of this fantastic desired behavior and that is the reward and the result is an increased definitely an increased likelihood <laughs> i'm saying likelihood yeah, it works for my dogs, is that they'll just keep doing that desired behavior over and over again. And bear in mind, the reward comes after the behavior. You know, it's not like, here's a lollipop, if you'll just be quiet, <laughs> like you do with kids. It's, you're not bribing them, like, if I give you this treat, will you not be on the rug? Yeah, no, it's the opposite way around. And it is it's free of any force. So there you go. Force retraining is not bribery and it is not they say pushing cookies you know what dog treats work you know a bit of chicken works come on so that is a myth and it's something that you should be adopting because it is positive okay here's one a tail wag means a dog is happy gosh jim well that's not really <laughs> i guess i don't have anything to say about that that's just a myth Seriously, if pet parents studied some some basic body language of their pets, they would be able to read their dogs so much better, so much better. It's a real eye-opener when you start to understand body language. And especially when it comes to, you hear this a lot, um, gosh, that dog bite came out of nowhere. Trust me, there were, there were signs leading up to a dog bite, but you didn't see them and you weren't educated in them. But the tail wag can mean many things based on its position, movement, and speed. It can be happiness, it can be fear, warning, you know, showing, uh, being relaxed. And uh, Giorgio, I think it was, Giorgio, is it Giorgio? Valatori, no, Valortigara. <laughs> I think it's I think it's Giorgio Giorgio Valortigara, neuroscientist, discovered that the left wag displayed negative, uh, you know, the negative. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, emotions, feelings, um, avoidance, kind of thing. And a right tail wag would would be a positive, a relaxed approach, kind of thing. If you want to know more about body language, run over to Jill Brightner's page. Go over to Jill's page. I love me some Jill. But I think once you know some really basic, basic um, body language, you're going to be able to read your pets better, which means you're going to have better communication. And you can help in many situations if you feel, if you can see your know, dog's fearful because of certain body language. It's such an interesting thing to study as well. So that is uh, that is a myth. Uh, tail wag does not always equal a dog is happy. Jim is doing a funny signal to me, which I think it means we need to run to a quick break. So hang on in there, because when we come back, we've got a couple more training things. We're going to talk about some nutrition myths and, and at the end, some really funny ones, really, really funny ones. So you're listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio with me, Sam, your host, the queen of rock and roll dogs. And we'll be right back. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. You know that feeling when you go to clean the litter box and it's a complete disaster? Yeah, we've got you covered. 
Introducing World's Best Cat Litter Zero Mess, the advanced litter that gives you two times better clumping and more odor control with less litter. Zero Mess combines the concentrated power of corn with superabsorbent plant fibers. Translation, scoop once and you're done. Find it at a pet store near you and save $2. Visit www.saveonworldsbest.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Welcome back, everyone. Just before the break, we were going over some pet training myths. We've got a couple more to cover before we move on to some nutritional stuff and some ridiculously funny stuff. But I always like a little bit of humor (laughs) in the show itself. Here's one for you, and it kind of goes on that same same uh, level of, of body language, and that is you can't train a deaf dog. Um, excuse me, yes, you can. And you can do it with the American Sign Language, or you can even create some of your own language. Our friend Christina Lee, she um, founded Deaf Dogs Rock, and she's put out recently a couple of great videos, actually, of sign language. But she has created a couple of her own because she said some of the ASL Uh, signs are very similar to each other and can be a little bit confusing to your deaf dog. So she created something brand new. And I think it's it's one of those things where you don't have to feel like it's hopeless if you adopt a deaf dog or if your dog loses its hearing. It's something you can, you know, start doing straight away. Now, I love the part of creating the own language thing because I'm a twin and we had our own language and our own body language and we communicate without words don't we jim because you're quite fascinated by all of that well fascinated is one word for it <laughs> what do you mean that's so rude. freaked out sometimes yeah is the other word yeah. for it because it's freaky it is freaky i mean we can sit next to each other and not say a word and we are communicating the whole time and it's hard to explain unless you're a twin and i do have quite a few friends who are twins so they get it but I do like that idea of creating some of your own language. Of course, if it's just you and your dog, that works great. But if it's a whole family, everybody needs to be doing the same same signs. And you can head on over to Deaf Dogs Rock, a brilliant resource, really changing the lives of deaf dogs. What they do is they sponsor dogs out of rescues and shelters and get them into the right homes. And it's just just a great organization. I've been using some of my own language, Jim. Well, actually, I stole one from Christina when I tell the dogs, I love you. And I do a lot. uh, Mr. Twix, come in the house. (laughs) I do my my actions with my hands, showing him a direction. What hand action is that? This one. I'm going to use that with you. Hurry up, Jim. I don't listen to those directions. (laughs) So grab your leash, walk on over to Deaf Dogs Rock, join their page, and I know you'll learn something. And there's nothing wrong with starting it now. It doesn't matter whether your dogs are losing their hearing or or not deaf because it's just another level of, of communication, and I really like that. So it's a myth that you can't train a deaf dog. Here's one. And it's called, You Must Not Allow Your Dog to Growl. In the words of Dr. Ian Dunbar, this is a simple one. Never ever punish a growl. Growling is a dog's way of saying they are stressed. If you punish away the growl, next time they may skip straight to a bite, like removing a ticker from a time bomb. Self-explanatory. Self-explanatory. 
Here's the big one. This is the one that I think is getting tons of attention this year. Very happy about that. Shock collars don't hurt. It's a myth. It causes discomfort. It causes pain. It can cause a burn, not to mention all the psychological damage that can also inflict. I was on the ban shot collar website today and there's a quote on that and it just said the threat of pain is just as capable of inducing stress fear and emotional damage as the pain itself and we've all heard that phrase i only have to show my dog the shot collar and he stops doing what he's doing and isn't that the saddest statement ever and and yet they still fail to see the cruelty in that of course there is research to back this but in all honesty do you really need to read the research to know this and why anyone thinks it's acceptable to hurt an animal is beyond me honestly i i call it the hidden abuse especially when shot colored trainers hide the collar under a bandana i call them out <laughs> that's uh, it's re- they know they know no advertising for any of the big companies that no, do that, no no but, no no it's it's just I won't be saying any they're, of those names. They're the kinds of people that you don't want to hang out with either. That's I, right. I don't, ah. I don't even want to spend a second socializing That's with right. those types of people. I, I have a point to make on this. Oh. Um, I would like to see a study done, also done on the type of people who use them. From the people that I know who use them, they are, they're aggressive, they're dominant, they're controlling in nature. They are that I'm going to lord it over you type of person anyway. And I would love to see some research on that because I think it's a very similar person. Um, This week, though, I have had the opportunity, I'll never shy away from it, to help a shot collar victim. And that's both the dog and the pet parent. They're both victims of shot collar trainers. And they've had a air quote trainer for a certain from a certain franchise who we're not mentioning so we don't give them any advertising. And uh, their dogs have progressively got worse over time with this shot collar. Dogs are displaying being very fearful of of their pet parents, and they they're fighting with each other, and and now they're starting to bite them. Um, they were horrified uh, to find out the negative effects of a shot collar when I sent them some research, and I've helped them with a selection of force free trainers here in Las Vegas. Um, and on a side note, and Jim knows this about me, I host pet events, and if there's a shot collar training company at the event, I always educate the event organizers and I also let them know I will not host with that company present. I cannot be seen around that. I don't want to be around that. Not when you're offering pet events that are all about we love our pets, we care about our pets, we want the best for our pets. You just can't have that kind of company at those kind of events. And I do have many, many friends who also will not be a vendor at those events if those type of companies are there. Um, oh, my friend Sarah, this is on a side note, my friend Sarah, they, I think they changed their clocks this week. We change our clocks uh, a week ahead of them and Sarah's back in England and she goes, oh, I must be an hour ahead. She says, I'm trying to do catch up. But, hey, Sarah, just say a quick hello to you there. <laughs> okay, moving on. Uh, Pitbull's jaws lock. It's a myth. No evidence or research provi- uh, proving jaws lock. There's nothing unique in the structure of a Pitbull's mandible or teeth. So that one needs to go out the window. Here's one from my friend, Elizabeth Parker. She's an author. She writes books on horror and dogs, but not together. She's not done a Cujo book, <laughs> but she, she does love Golden Trevor. She's had so many in her life. And she said, 
People say to me, oh, all golden retrievers can swim, can't they? And she said, no, they can't. Tell that to someone who has a golden retriever can't swim. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. And um, she, it, it frustrates her because she said, you can be putting your dogs in a dangerous position. So never assume that they, they are, are all swimmers or even good swimmers because a dog can very easily drown if you just uh, leave them unattended to go and swim. So there you go. Here's one, and this made me laugh. Oh, my God. This is a friend of mine uh, that said, someone said to her that dogs can't walk backwards. <laughs> well, that's a lie because both of ours do. <laughs> I just said no need. And, and then one of ours walks forwards with the head completely backwards. <laughs> yes, he does. He likes to know what's going on all around. <laughs> The no need for science, just use your eyes and observe. <laughs> In fact, our, our uh, Jack Russell, Miss Thornton, she likes to back it up like uh, Harry Connick Jr. when he backs it up on his show. She's cute, really cute. So there you go. Funny, there's not much more discussion required for that. Now here's one that you'll find very interesting, and this is from our friend Dr. Liz Bales. Just want to let you know as a disclosure, I was not paid to mention this by no means. But uh, that is a myth. Cats are okay eating out of a bowl. It's a myth. And so uh, Dr. Liz Bales, she's a cat expert, and she's created a product based on satisfying a cat's natural prey instinct. And so she knows she knows her cats, she knows the behaviors, and she knows what they should be doing. And she said, uh, cats are great, but we all know there are many downsides. You know, they can be aggressive and they can scarf and barf, which sounds funny in an English accent, I'm sure. Uh, night waking, etc., all kind of, of problems. And bull feeding causes these problems. Uh, we've had her on the show before. Super interesting. Uh, cat's stomach is the size of a ping pong ball, and that's the size of a mouse. That's no coincidence. In nature, cats spend 80% of their waking hours hunting for food. Cats need to hunt, catch, and play with at least five small meals a day. Without it, they will have issues. We have some problems. The benefits of hunting, it prevents bad behavior. Cats redirect the hunting instinct into bad cat behavior, or what pet owners deem as bad cat behavior. Um, exercising natural hunting instincts improves your cat's mood and preserves your furniture. <laughs> she has a good sense of humor. So, so they sleep through the night. Your cat will hunt for feeders at night instead of hunting you. You get to sleep better. Uh, stop the scarf and barf. Your cat's stomach is the size of a ping, ball, as she, ping pong ball, as she said. Hunting multiple small portions eliminates scarf and barf, and that's a good thing. Litter box solutions. Cats show distress by peeing outside of the litter box. Hunting feeders relieve stress and can eliminate this, this problem. Weight management. This is a great plus. Portion control plus exercise equals healthy weight. It prevents boredom. Your cat will happily spend the day hunting, receiving much needed exercise. And she says, bowl feeding overfeeds your cat's body while leaving its predatory soul starved. That is a great statement. Because it's holistic. You have to treat everything about your pets, not just their feeding or their training. You've got to see, you know, are you are you giving them what is natural to them or as natural as possible to them? And I said, she's a veterinarian and she's uh, she's got two decades of education and experience and developed the only indoor hunting feeder where your cat cat uh, where you meet a cat's behavioral needs. They are naturally happy and healthy, and that means you are too. Basically, what it is, it's like five pods. The food goes in the five pods. It's covered in a really tough fabric with little like tentacle things so they get to play with it. But they hunt it. You hide it all over the house. 
They hunt it, they play with it, they eat it, they sleep, they repeat. There you go. Great product. It's called Duck and, uh, Duck and Phoebe's. Similar to that with cats, explain to me this myth. A dog needs to steal shoes out of a closet and run around the house with them and then hide them. Um, he's, he's referring to my Mr. Twix. He's referring to my shoes. Which actually... Well, he stole mine today, too. <laughs> Did he? We came in from a four-mile walk, and then all of a sudden, he's rummaging in my closet, grabs a sneaker, and he's running around the house. He's like me. He loves shoes. He loves shoes. And then what, what happens is, um, and I don't care if you choose some of my shoes. I honestly don't. But then some of my, my shoes graduate to him. And then, I, and then he's running around with shoes, and I go, no, they're his shoes. <laughs> I don't care. He's having fun. He plays. He's he's very entertained by it, and he, he entertains us by it. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Not in the slightest, honestly. But he he does love a shoe. But he's, he he um for those that are listening in, we found him in the desert, and he had a pile of stuff behind a bush because uh, when we actually found out later he'd been out there six months and the the park guy had seen him in that six months and he said yeah he has drag stuff behind that bush thing and he does the same at home i mean how many blankets do we have dragged outside right now and some shoes and <laughs> socks? Ma- many because i'm going to be laundering them today <laughs> You know what? We'll have Jim pick everything up and we'll take a picture. And it's it's funny, but that's that's what he does. I say it does not bother me in the slightest, not in the slightest. Okay, here's one because I do a lot with rescues. Here's here's a myth: you can't get a purebred dog in a rescue. Uh-uh. All breeds are available in Vegas. We have so many breed-specific rescues now. It's funny because even the rescue community will criticize breed-specific rescues. But let me tell you something. If you are not a proponent of people going to a breeder, what's your next, next best step? You know, next best step is adopt your breed from a breed-specific rescue. It's really simple. So that is a myth. You can find any breed. I often have people reach out to me and all I have to do is say, anyone got a blah, blah, blah on their rescue, send me links. And that's how easy it is. So uh, that is a myth. Here's another one. And this this is difficult because it's it, it also is a problem when it comes to training. Rescue animals are damaged. People assume that they're damaged. Oh, there must have been a problem. But people, in all honesty, they dump pets for all kinds of reasons and some very dumb reasons. You know, they're too old. It licks my face. I'm going on vacation. Heard that one before. Many are abused and neglected, I know, because I deal with them. But many, many more are not. So I think what's important is that once you, even if you don't believe that, that, they, that they're all damaged, what I think is a, a difficult spot to be in is to be careful not to create a false history for a dog or a cat and say, oh, when I reached down with my hand to my dog, my dog cowers or whatever, it must have been abused. But here's the thing, you don't know. And it could be that it wasn't abused at all. But you don't want to start off its new life with you thinking all these things happened to this dog and then putting it on your dog. And when you work with a trainer, telling the trainer, oh, it must have been abused and, you know, before I got the dog, not knowing any history. I think it's important to let those dogs start with a clean slate, especially if you're going to work with a trainer. So rescue animals are not damaged goods. I say lots of people are damaged in the way that they, they you know, think about animals. 
and dump them off. Here's a funny one. Beagles constantly bark and bay. Well, my friend owns the Southern Nevada Beagle Rescue. <laughs> and she posted this and she goes, no, that's a myth. And let me tell you something. She has a lot of beagles at her property. A lot of beagles. I don't think she would have any sanity whatsoever if that was the case. If it was constant barking and baying, it would make her insane. When we've been over, never heard anything like that. Never heard a thing. And there's a lot of them. She has like a beagle farm. She, don't say that. What? Not, that sounds bad. Yeah. She's she a rescue. Beagle Ranch. <laughs> she, it actually is a ranch property it that is she a lives nice on. It's beautiful. Uh, but nope, no, we've never been over there and loads of barking and begging. So there you go. That's a myth as well. Because we don't want people to be put off from adopting a beagle because they've heard that, that silly myth. Here's a one, one that I push very, very hard in summer. It's okay to leave a dog in a hot car. And yes, people say that to me after I've called the police on them. <laughs> nope. It's never okay to leave a dog in a hot car or an extremely cold car. Don't do it. Never do it. Our campaign over summer is we take the pledge to never leave our pets in a hot car. It can go from, say, 78 degrees to 100, 100 degrees in minutes. It can cause brain damage, heat stroke, stress, and panic. Why would you, even if it's not hot, why would you leave your dog in a car that's upset that you left them in the car? That is not right. That is not right. Our laws have changed here in Nevada. It's a, it's a, it used to be a misdemeanor. It is now a felony, and it's the same fel- felony as leaving a child in a car as well. Don't do it. Don't park next to me and do it. <laughs> I have a direct line to the cruelty unit. <laughs> they know me because I am not going to idly stand by and watch a dog in distress and certainly not going to leave it in a car. So it is never okay to leave a dog in a hot car or an extremely cold car. In fact, just don't leave them in the car. They'd much rather be at home. Seriously. Now in Vegas, I mean, we literally have months, don't we, Jim? Months. And we don't drop below 100 degrees, not even at night time. We don't even leave the house. We don't even leave the house. So the last thing you want to do is putting a dog in a car and going anywhere, in all honesty. So that's one that I'm uh, very passionate about. We'll have a PSA video about this yeah, one. Yeah, the research out. is out there. I mean, it's the studies and the temperatures and how fast it heats up. It's crazy. And I'm always a big, big proponent of sit yourself in a hot car and see how you fare with that as well. And bear in mind that we have a much better cooling system than our pets do. One more. One more, Jim, before we go to the next break. You must only take your vet's word as gold. And that is a myth. You are entitled to get a second opinion, a third opinion, and you can certainly get your pet's records to go to the next, uh, you know, next veterinarian or specialist that you need to go to. Because remember, you are their guardian and you never have to feel uncomfortable about that. So that is a myth. You, you do not always have to take your vet's word as the final word. It is always good to get second opinions and to see someone else's perspective. On that note, let's take a quick break, Jim, so I can take a big drink so I don't have my vocal fry. We'll be right back. You're listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio with me, Sam, your host, the queen of rock and roll dogs. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Pick up two bottles of Liquor Chops, get the third bottle free. New improved Liquor Chops with Omega-6, Omega-3, Vitamin E, 
and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system, and dogs love it. Try LicoChops. Buy two, get one free. This is Henry Lukasiewicz for Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets. People. Pop culture. Hi, everyone. We're continuing on with our big fat pet myth show. I think I'm speaking faster than I normally do to try and get all of these myths in. Here's one for you. And this was from my friend Sarah in England, who's listening in right now. And she and this is a blanket statement that people put on people who work full time. You shouldn't have a dog or a cat if you work full time. But here's the thing. It's a terrible statement to put on people, especially people like Sarah who's one of the most amazing pet parents that I know, she said it is so much better that they're not in the shelter, that they're in a warm home, that they have a dog walker, you know, they have a pet sitter that can aid you when you're at work. I mean, I think that's a really important thing. And those services are so readily available these days. So you can't make that blanket statement that you should not have a dog or a cat if you work full-time. That's a myth. Come I work on. more than full-time. Oh, we're not talking about you. Well, <laughs> I just did. And I work from home, which is great. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Uh, what's my next one? I swear to goodness. I actually pared this down. There were so many of these. Of course, like I said, at the top of the show... You we're not going in depth in any of these myths, especially with the ones that have a lot of science behind them. And there are much deeper readings and articles on research that we're going to post so that you can go down that rabbit hole of education, which is a good thing, which is a really, really good thing. So my next list, here we go. Here are my resources for this particular chunk of myths. Dr. Karen Becker, Ronnie Habib. Dr. Jean Dodds, Dr. Barbara Royal, Holistic Animal Advice Facebook page. Join it, join it, join it. It's such a good page. Pet Fools, which we talked about earlier on Netflix. Watch the documentary. And the um, dog. Uh, oh, my gosh. Why do I? Why I wrote this as an acronym and now I can't remember it. It's the Dog Cancer Series Community. Dog Cancer Series Community on Facebook. You do not have to join it. You don't have to have a dog with cancer or a cat with cancer to join it. You'll learn so many things about nutrition. Unbelievable. So here we go. Here Now, this was interesting. This was posted, and, it, and someone said, here's a myth. Dogs can't have grains. It is a myth. It is a myth. Here's the thing I think what you have to understand is they shouldn't have grains, but, but a dog will tolerate it, but it's not biologically appropriate for them so it 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 really it really it's not a myth <laughs> it's not a myth they shouldn't have grains there's, there's there's no biological need for that although they will tolerate it but do you want your dog or cat to tolerate grains no it's not a good thing uh kibble cleans teeth oh we hear this so many times it's your favorite myth big fat myth um cheetos clean teeth too, yeah it's like brushing you... your teeth with cheetos mm, <laughs> see how they look cheetos and here's the thing if that's the case why why is it that dogs that are fed kibble need yearly dental cleanings every year routinely yeah and why is it that raw-fed dogs or dogs that are given raw meaty bones, they 
they don't have to have the teeth cleaned. They get a mechanical cleaning. It's abrasive. It keeps them busy. They enjoy it. You know, dogs love a good old bone, you know, but not just any old bone. Again, we're going to give you a link for the correct bones. But that is a myth. Kibble does not clean teeth. Wouldn't you love to know who started these myths? Who was the one person that said that? I would love to know who started that. <laughs> Here we go. Here's another one. Dogs and cats can be vegan and vegetarian. Uh-uh, it's a myth. Neither a vegan or a vegetarian diet are species appropriate. Uh, dogs, omnicarnivores, they can tolerate some fruits and veg, but it's a small percentage and it has to be really uh, chopped up in the food processor in order to do that if you actually make your own food. Cats are obligate carnivores. They must have meat to thrive. If you are feeding your pet a vegan or vegetarian diet, it is called nutritional abuse. You're going to hear it a lot this year. You're going to hear it a lot. It, it blows my mind away. Jim and I are vegetarian. Even if we're a vegan, no, 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 no. Our dogs will eat a species-appropriate diet. Here's the thing. You can't say, I love animals that much to the point that you will abuse your own animal nutritionally. It's It's dreadful. And there are some big names in the vegan world who are really promoting this because they've been paid by a vegan dog food. And they have such influence and it's bad. It is really dangerous, really, really dangerous. Uh, so that's a myth. That is an absolute myth. I know it's, I know a lot of people can't cope with the thought of, oh my gosh, animals, you know, my, my dog's going to eat that animal. But you're going to have to come to terms with the science. You just have to come to terms with the science. You can't put just your beliefs on your pets because they don't have that choice to say, hang on, I need some meat. They don't have beliefs. They have needs. They have needs. They the need higher, to eat. The higher to eat. The hierarchy of dogs' needs. If you look on the pyramid, it's one of them. Here we go. Uh, dogs will get sick if they eat raw. Oh, I'm sick and tired of eating of eating this. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of eating this, Jim. I really am. I'm sick and tired of hearing this. We feed a raw diet that we prepare at home. Yeah, I've never got sick. My dogs have never got sick. Here's the thing. Here's your answer. You've got to know this. A dog's stomach has a pH of 1 to 2.55, and they can handle bacteria. It is highly acidic. There you go. That one's a myth. That's a high acidic. It's highly acidic. It's acid, that stomach. Yes, it is. What's a human pH? Don't know. You can find that out for us, Jim. Here's one. Cancer in animals is all genetic. That's a myth. Only 10% of cancers in animals are genetic. 90% is environmental. Exposure to toxins, bad food, pollution. Where was I going to go with this? So when it comes to a pet, like I said, join the Dog Cancer Series community group. Join it. You will learn so much about nutrition, the environment, toxicity, things like get rid of your plug-in air fresheners, get rid of your dryer sheets. Or eliminate things that are not good for you, not good for your kids, not good for your pets. Eliminate them. They are known to cause cancers and other problems. You really need to try and take a, a holistic approach in every which way you can for your entire family, and that includes your pets. But yes, 90%, in fact, is, is uh, 
in fact, environmental when it comes to cancer. Scary, though. We've got a high percentage of cancer in pets. It is really frightening. Well, after that frightening myth, let's go to some funny stuff. Just really funny things that made me laugh. Here's one. Black dogs and cats are the devil's little helpers. <laughs> mm, maybe. <laughs> it's just fantastic. They're great, though. We had a black dog that was the devil's little helper, and she was awesome. <laughs> she was not the devil's little helper. She had that one. She'd have a crazy half hour. Remember when she would open her mouth and just go, <laughs> Maybe that one is true. <laughs> Here's a good one. And this came from, from the Do No Harm Dog page. Someone wrote, Do-. this is not what she believed, but she was saying she'd heard it. Dogs are secret, secretly, secretly planning to dominate us. And if they allow it, they will have conquered the human race. And it was referring to don't let your dogs walk through the door first. Don't let them get on the bed. Humping pillows. <laughs> Oh my gosh, here was a great one. And this is not funny, but well, it's funny because it's a great statement. Dogs need better training, uh, training collars. No, dogs, dogs don't need better training collars. They need better trainers. And that's correct. Here were some great memes. Real men push treats. Real men wear treat bags. Yes, they do. And I think the funniest of them all, and I didn't write the entire thing down, but it was someone's client whose dog was going in, in to get fixed. And she wanted to know if his sex was going to get changed, would it be no sex? Or uh, she would like his his sex to be changed to to get rid of all his bits and give him a vagina. And in lieu of that, she started to call him Queenie. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get through life? Think those kind of things are true. This isn't a myth. That was a freak. That was a that was a freak. So as you can see, the world is full of myths. Uh, I do believe if you can, if you have the guts, approaching these people who who perpetuate these myths with a little bit of sugar, not vinegar, back it with some science and educational links and never argue with a fool in public because no one will know which one of you is the fool. <laughs> it's hard not to sometimes though. I get it. I get it. But I think to, to wrap this up, if you consider the five freedoms of welfare, and this is worldwide, in the way that we live with our pets, we'll all do a better job and the world will definitely be a kinder place. And here are those freedoms. Uh, freedom from fear and distress. So no shock collars, prong, choke, no shouting, hitting, rubbing dogs' noses in poo and wee-wee, no loud noises with cans and coins and squirting water or forcing them to endure fearful situations. Uh, say no to punishment and say yes to educational um, to educational training free of mental suffering as well. That is one of those, that's the freedom of fear and distress. Here's the next freedom, freedom from hunger and thirst. Never restrict food or water. Maintain a species-appropriate diet for optimal health and vigor. Uh, freedom from discomfort. And this is a big one. Uh, safe environment, including... Um, you know, a place, a comfortable place to rest, uh, never leaving them chained up, never leaving them outside in the cold or the heat. Uh, you've got freedom from pain, injury and disease. And that means, you know, giving them appropriate medical treatment, preventative treatment, giving treatment uh, timely. That's important. Um, it freedom from, you know, aversive training methods. And you've also got the freedom to express normal behavior. Uh, 
let a dog be a dog, let a cat be a clat, a cat, a clat. Oh my God, be a cat. Don't declaw them. Don't declaw them. I mean, they, they need to have and express normal behavior. Um, provide them with su- sufficient space and interaction with other animals. It's, it's these freedoms. Let me tell you about these freedoms. And we talked about this last week on the show, didn't we, Jim? This is how we're going to wrap up today. We talked about these freedoms because animal welfare, these are the five freedoms. And I asked Jim Lasik, what does animal welfare mean to you? And he said, you know, the usual stuff you would expect, you know, to feed your dog, care for your dog, give it medical treatment when it needs it and those kind of things. And it actually uh, is actually not from your perspective. <laughs> it's actually not what you want to put on an animal or you believe. It's actually always from an animal's perspective. And that's why there's so much research done on animal welfare with observing and data and research and seeing how animals react in certain conditions to the food, to who they're with, um, you know, the environment, those kind of things. And then they, that's how we say, this is how a battery hen responds in a tight space. And, you know, they pluck each other's feathers out. You know, it's those kind of things that they observe and they say, you know, does this impact their welfare? Does this lift, lift their stress levels up? Um, does it, you know, those kind of things. So it, it impacts them negatively. And this is why if we applied these five freedoms to animals all around the world, despite culture, because it's not a reason for people to be able to do things to animals because oh, that culture does that. No, this is always from an animal's perspective. And the research backs it up. It's ongoing, which is wonderful so that we can do better. We can say, you know, when you put this many hens in this tiny space with not much light and this kind of food and giving them, uh, you know, uh, what do they call it? That makes them big. What do they call it? Steroids. No, what is it they give them in the meat? Antibiotics and stuff like that. How are they responding? And and that's how we're going to improve animal welfare. And I think that goes across the board for pet parents when you look at their training, their food, their environment, and how you interact with them. Right, now I can take a big fat breath <laughs> from the big fat pet myth show. These links are going to go up. Please join the groups that I've mentioned. I am thrilled to be in these groups. I've learned so much myself. It's mind-blowing. And I want to be able to, to promote these groups and these great people and these experts who are, uh, who are really paving the way so that we can push these myths behind us and all do a lot better. So if you've liked the show today, uh, I would love for you to, to share the show uh, on your social media networks. And uh, remember, you can always help an animal in need because, you know, I'm all about, about helping animals either rescue, adopt, donate, volunteer, share their information or train them force free. We're going to add that one in today. Rescue your next family member. Replace the word shop with adopt and be kind to all animals. Jim, thank you so much for being here, pushing the buttons, all that good stuff. Take a moment, hop on over, like our Facebook page, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And as I say, don't forget to post pictures of your pets on our wall and tell us all about them. Don't forget their names. People always forget to tell me their names. And uh, if you are 
interested in any of this information and uh, you can very easily go and read the show notes that will be up on our website. I'm hoping by this afternoon, I will make sure we announce that on Facebook so you know it's ready to go. We'll share tons of links and all these great people and great pages that uh, I've been happy to be a part of. So again, thank you, Jim. Thank you to my dogs for being here and just being adorable. That's all they have to do is just be adorable and I'm happy as anything. And today you've been listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio, where it is all about our pets, people and pop culture. I'm your host, Sam the queen of rock and roll dogs, and always kiss your pets good morning and good night, and I will see you next time. You've been listening to Vegas Rock Dog Radio. Pets, people, pop culture. Visit Vegas Rock Dog Radio for more information. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe on iTunes and iHeartRadio. And remember... Give your fur babies a big kiss from me, Sam, the queen of rock and roll dogs. You must not rely on the information in this broadcast from our host as an alternative to medical advice from your veterinarian. If you have any specific questions about a medical matter regarding your pets, you should consult your veterinarian or specialist. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.